0: Hey there, my name is Arthur Ettinger, and welcome to another episode of Close to the Vest. I am really excited today because in the studio, at least remotely, uh, I have Mark Halpert, and today we are talking about rebranding yourself, which is a huge topic, not only for uh, everybody out there, but for those people who are going in transition in divorce. So welcome, Mark. Thanks
1: so much for having me, Arthur. really appreciate this.
0: Thanks so much for being here. Um, as I mentioned, there <clears throat> there is such a need for somebody like yourself. Um, I just want to take a step back and uh, talk a little bit about you and all the amazing accomplishments that you have done. You have an amazing career, uh, quite an impressive resume. Mark is uh, a LinkedIn coach, a career coach, a a well-established, successful author and speaker. And... um, there is so much to talk about, Mark. I think the the biggest thing, one of the biggest things, when people go through divorce, is the transition, especially those individuals that are, let's say, stay-at-home moms uh, or stay-at-home uh, parents who are now faced with the uh, reality of having to uh, jump back into the workforce. And who better than to talk about the topic of rebranding yourself, uh, whether it's in a divorce or otherwise? We have COVID going on, so I I would love to talk about all those issues surrounding rebranding with you. Um, sure. Before we before we get into you know how you can help those people, I would love for you to just. Tell the audience uh, a bit about you and your background.
1: I've been in many industries. I have worn many hats. I never found the right industry or the right hat until I went on, out on my own 19 years ago. So I always say in LinkedIn and in everything else you do, who you are today is based upon where you came from. All the skills I learned, all the lessons I learned the hard way from terrible bosses from horrible situations, from failing companies, even from the companies that were not failing, really difficult situations. It's not hardened me as much as it gave me something to draw upon in my future. As I look back, and I say this all the time, I have all these cards in my back pocket, metaphorical cards, they're skills cards. I pull them out as I need them. I put them on the table and I play those cards and I put them away and that's taught me a lot and that's taught me the confidence to know that i always can draw upon this experience do i know every situation is going to happen do i handle every situation properly absolutely not but at least have an inkling of what to do and so i feel good when i i'm faced with people who come to me for coaching and they say i'm lost i'm stuck i don't know what the hell to do i hate my job i hate my boss i hate my family I hate my wife, I hate my my husband, whatever it is. I hear everything. I'm a little bit psychologist when I do my LinkedIn coaching because people feel comfortable enough to really unload on me. And that really helps me get into what they're all about. So let's talk about people I've worked with, I've coached, who are between marriages or between jobs. And let's equate them together in that loss of a job, loss of a spouse is loss of identity. We cling to things that are tangible as humans. And we're also very vulnerable when we have something to cling to, but when we have nothing to cling to or it's slipping away, we're really screwed up. There's a real issue with our self-identity, our self-propriety, our self-satisfaction, and our self-worth. And I teach my clients to combine all of these things together into a career narrative and talk about on LinkedIn, what they learned, where they came from, who they are today, where they're going in their future. They think we don't know our future always, but just to give an inkling about what I bring to the table. Sure. And too often it's messed up. It's convoluted. And a reader at 30,000 feet, spends seven seconds or so reading your profile. They don't love what they see there. They're gone. And you don't even know they're gone until they've left a long time ago right. because you see on LinkedIn so-and-so looked at your profile. Well, that could have been days ago. Right. And they've gone on to somebody else, perhaps a competitor. So my my premise is our self-worth is all wrapped up in our branding. And if you can't get to your self-worth, your branding's messed up, the way you interview for that job is messed up because you come across as a at, at crossroads with yourself. People hear that you've done it. I've done it. You hear people who, and you just say, how do they get through life? How do they get through business? How do they make any money? Because you ask them what they're all about and they can't even
0: articulate. It. Sure. I'll go on and on. So you stop me.
1: So, so that I that's just where that. I'm coming from.
0: I, I get it. If we can take a step back. Sure. You know, um, I've seen you, uh, uh, in several occasions in you know, certain networking groups where you've been asked to speak. Um, but, uh, I would just, for people that don't know who Mark Halpert is, if you can just explain sure. you know, how you got to where you are today to be the, you know, the expert and the coach and uh, just kind of, uh, going through, in, in, you know, just briefly your background. Okay. Real briefly
1: started as a banker after graduate school. Went to the other side of the desk, became the guy who met the bankers in corporate treasury for four or five very large multinational corporations based in the U.S. Uh, based with U.S. operation, uh, was part of the team for finance to do all the various things, mostly in an acquisition mode. That's heady stuff. A lot of craziness. A lot, a lot of, a lot of people gnashing teeth. A lot of anxiety in those types of situations. I got to the point where the company I was at. I had done, done very well. And I was vice president and treasurer of a $2 billion corporation. Got to the point where I said, I'm just not getting anywhere. I don't like this. I don't like working for somebody else. Heard an advertisement, followed through. We had just developed something called electronic payments. Back in 2000, 1999, 2000, we were taking credit cards online. we were the only company in the United States doing that. That was my project. Wow. I went to the acquis. The company was being acquired. I went to the acquiring company and I said, "Do you have any interest in this? Because if you do not, I see a future in it." And they said, "Nah, no, take it, yours. We don't want anything to do with it." And I did, and that was my first business. And I became an electronic payment specialist 19 years ago, and I still am. And I still, I'm an old guy in in electronic payments because I've been in it from the very beginning. Right. And and that's that's an eternity. 19 years is an eternity in electronic payments and fraud prevention and online electronic recurring payments and all the other things that we do. At about 07, 08, 2007, 2008, business was, the cycle was down and I needed something to find new clients. And a friend of mine had told me about LinkedIn. I had gotten into it in 2004, but really didn't pay any attention to it for three years. And he said, you know, it's a really good time to get back into LinkedIn. I'm having success with it. And I heard that and I said, look, I'm going to try it. Took a lot of courses in it from a lot of charlatans, mm-hmm. people who are making money hand over fist because it was the hot new penny, the shiny penny that everybody wanted to know about. Wow. And we were taking courses and paying them for these courses. And I was sitting there saying, I'm getting screwed. I can teach this myself. I have my own way of looking at it. I do not hold your hand and tell you what to do. I, like I asked it. you to tell me why to do it. That's a whole different animal. It's not LinkedIn for dummies that I began teaching. It's LinkedIn for why you do what you do. Became familiar with Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, for those of you who are not familiar with him, Start With Why, an absolutely incredible book, which is right at my desktop as fast as I can grab it because I do grab it a lot. Mm-hmm. And learned so much about how powerful the ability to say Why do you do what you do? And I realized that all through my career, I had been saying why when everybody else was saying what. And I felt out of place. And I felt like I was giving more to my community of fellow colleagues in the industries that I was in than they were giving me. And I decided that I could can this and take it out on the road and and hawk it. And I do. And it's absolutely the most fun I've ever had. It's the most I've ever been in one place at any time. I've been, most, I was on the five-year plan. I was every five years. I was a new company. Like so many more, like others of us were back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Absolutely love what I do. I find that I have a knack for cracking open the hardest cases of people who really are stuck, as I was getting to before. All this came from the experience I've had through the various people I've gotten to know and still carry along with me in my pocket, same concept, that I've known forever. Mm-hmm. And it's been my great thrill to help people pathfind new ways to talk about themselves, even though we
0: were taught not to. I think that's great. And a lot of people, and I to your point, you know, helping people transform their identity a lot of people didn't don't even know that they need need to do this they're coexisting and then next thing you know they get blindsided and now they have no choice because there's one income now has to cover two homes and that person okay you know their children even if they're young children they're in school for most of the day okay there's a wake-up call. I need to get up. I need to go do something. I need to reinvent myself. And yeah. and I've done that several times. And I can do it again in what's
1: left of my career. I don't know how many more times. I'm always looking for something to add on. I haven't finished. I haven't stopped learning. And when I stop learning, I'm gone. Yeah. Don't even want to be near me when I stop learning. I always am learning, I'm always reading, I'm always sharing what I find and curating what I find to be the best for others. Sure. And I and I have grown my followership on LinkedIn from about 5,000 a year ago to almost 20,000. So it's a fourfold increase. What does that tell me? I'm saying
0: something people want to know. Sure. And so If you can, your process, if you can explain to the audience who, uh, whether or not they're getting divorced or going through a divorce, if they're looking to improve their exposure on LinkedIn, or they're looking to rebrand themselves, Mm -hmm. and, and, and my feeling is they need to know Mark Halpert. They need to get in and consult with him. Explain to that person who says, "Okay, yeah, I I want this, but what's Mark gonna do, and how is he going to go about doing it?" If you can just explain your like consulting, you know, process uh, for somebody so they can reach out to you.
1: Okay. First, we start with the premise: we're always changing. We're never a finished product. We're always in beta, shall we say? And that concept comes from Reed Hoffman. The former chair of LinkedIn, not because he's the former chair of LinkedIn, but because he coined the concept, we're always moving, we're always adapting, we're always changing. A lot of people can't handle the fact that they're changing. And I see this so often in certain career areas where people think they know everything and there's nothing new that they can be told and they have nothing to learn from anybody else. Everybody's a competitor. Well, those are dinosaurs that will eventually stop walking the earth, in my opinion. And so I come to people who come to me and say, or I approach people who come to me and say, "I don't know how to get it out of me. I don't. I know that I need to say something. I need help." Now often they're referred to me, or they'll see me through. I blog every single business morning. There's something out there at eight a.m. every morning out of my blog, and it hits my LinkedIn, my Facebook, and my Twitter pages every morning. You can count on that. Set your clock to as I always say. I write extensively. I have two books. Second edition of my first book for the American Bar Association is being written, being edited right now, so I'm excited about that. I'm constantly speaking in the old days when I could actually go see an audience, which I really prefer. I would actually get out there and talk to audiences of all different types about all different topics that are LinkedIn-oriented because I can tie LinkedIn to just about anything in the world because it's all about how you perceive yourself, and how others need to perceive you. Sure. So when I introduced myself to you, I you were evaluating me. I was giving you the best I can do. And that's what you absolutely have to do. Mediocre does not work on LinkedIn because, as I said, they're gone. they the seven seconds, and they took off. So you have to engage people in everything you do. This is speed dating at the fastest you'll ever see it, yeah. whether you date or not. It's been a long, long time since I've dated, but I'm speed dating by LinkedIn all the time. And you have to keep changing what you're saying to make it relevant to the changes that are going around you. God knows we're in a tremendous amount of change right now with COVID and with politics and all the things that are coming. It's December, 2020, like almost like the end of the year. And I'm not sure when this will actually be published, You know, be, be published, but we will look back at this and say, I can't believe the amount of change that we underwent at the time. And that's stressful for people. And change is scary for people. And add that for the people who are thinking or contemplating or in the middle of a divorce or are divorced. They're always looking back at the pain. And we'll always look back at the pain of COVID and the pain of 9-11 and go back to the pain of, you know, of John F. Kennedy being assassinated. Go back to Pearl Harbor. Every generation has something that they look back to as a marker. Well, some generations break it into the personal side, and I remember when I lots of friends have been divorced and parties when they get the divorce is over because it's this relinquishing of anxiety that they let loose with, and they want their friends to congratulate them. Well, that's a change. That's a it's a sea change for people, but it's still. Lingers in
0: them forever. Well, not only that, and I tell this to clients all the time, just because we finished your divorce and I got you that judgment of divorce or that 50-page settlement agreement, all those problems are still there. It's just yeah. you're moving on in a different phase. And that's where, you know, uh the Mark Halperts of the world can come in to instead of sitting in inertia, uh roll up your sleeves and work with someone to, you know, change your identity and stop feeling sorry for yourself, attack your problems, whether it's personal and professional, and go create the life that you want now. And I think professionally is exactly where you
1: come in. And that's what I do with every new client. I put them through about 15 questions, open-ended questions, and let them answer it. And I don't let them get away with an easy answer because they're difficult questions. So, I mean, I have so many examples of people who just crap out by answering a question. One question is, Who are you? Well, I'm vice president of finance at XYZ Corporate. No, I say, Stop. That's not who you are. That's what you are. Let's get deeper than that. And it shocks them. They don't know what to do, they've never been challenged because it's their identity. Back to what I was saying earlier. So, I strip away the ego. I strip away the title, and we talk about the person and the accomplishments because the past tells you who you are today. And then I say to them, what do you want? What do you want in life? What can I do to make you achieve that goal? They've never, ever been asked those questions. What do people say about you when you enter a room? What do people say about you when you leave a room? These are questions that people don't even know how to handle because they've, I mean, some of them, you know, I say, well, who are you? I'm a father. That's great. That tells me they have a family orientation, but that's still not good enough. That's a what? That's a title. That's a thing you hang around your neck. So I always get to people and then they say, well, I was divorced and, or I lost my job and leave that stuff behind. Leave the baggage because the idea behind the final product that I leave somebody with on LinkedIn is that it is a package waiting to be unwrapped. It's excitement at opening the LinkedIn profile. What is in the box? And when you open the box and you're going through all the paper and you're finding the goodie at the bottom, how long is somebody going to look at the paper, the wrapping until they get either bored or they find the goodie and you have to hit them between the eyes soon, very soon to make them want to read. I always say a LinkedIn profile is like a novel and you have to get them to read chapters one, to get to chapter two, to chapter three, to chapter four, to chapter 38 for how the story ends.
0: And if you don't, they leave. Sure. And how do you, and so how do you work with individuals? Um, do you know? And listen, that answers uh, or that questions uh, a loaded question at this point, especially with COVID. Uh, I'm guessing there was a lot more to your point from before. There was a lot more in person uh, consults and interviews and meetings, and that's probably gone to a screeching halt. And now it's done by you know Streamyard, Zoom, and other telephone and.
1: Well, actually, the answer to that question is: This was not a difficult adjustment for me because I've been training people all over the world in the days when we could meet with each other. So to do a Zoom call or to do a any sort of face-to-face, or f- I used to train by phone also. I preferred not to because I couldn't really see their facial expressions. Mm. I get a lot from what people are say with their face. I get are that
0: completely. Yeah,
1: yeah. And you read them too, and you read. You know when they drift off, and you know. I mean, this. These are the things that we are trained to do. So phone that never really worked, but it was required in some situations, like somebody at his office or her office. You know, if they were in a cube, for example, yeah, we, had, we had to talk really quietly. We had to really be kind of you know sketchy about it. I would. I don't. Tr- I never trained over lunch or dinner because that's distraction. I liked not to train people in their office. That's distraction as well. So we would find neutral places. I had a place in, in the city in Midtown that I used in New York City, I used to like to go to. And now um I but I made the adjustment to electronic training. Now we can share screens. So somebody says to me, where do I put this? Or what do I do with that? Well, hold on, let me show you my screen and I'll show you exactly on my profile where I've put mine and how to do that. So this is a little bit of handhold. You have to do a little bit of the dummies thing sometimes, sure. but it's all about helping them is discover how to do it. So how do I train people? I started with those questions. In four 90-minute sessions with homework in between, and one woman called me mean if she didn't do her homework. Well, good, because she's paying for it. Right. So she's just screwing herself. So and find a way to do your homework. And what kind of homework are we talking It is about writing the section that we covered in the previous session. Write it in Word. Send it to me the day before, at least the day before our next session. So I can go through it. I can digest it. I can critique it. And I send it and show it to you just before a session. And you see where I'm going. And you see where you held back. And that becomes cathartic. It becomes freeing for people because I'm giving them the permission to let themselves go a little bit more. It's a strategy, it's a, it's a process. People just don't sit down with me and all of a sudden they're like, ah, I can do this, this is easy. No one ever does it in the first right. So that's that's what I do. 90 minutes, se- four 90 minute sessions over about five to six weeks time, homework in between. But once I have finished with my client after their fourth session, they're always my client. They always can come back to me Ask me, hey, something changed in my life. How do I show this best? Hey, I just published a book. How do I show this? Sure. Hey, I've been on a podcast. Where do I show that? And I give them the, the instruction.
0: That's uh, that's really great. And um, do you have any um, any great success stories or stories where like you know that were really challenging? You didn't think that this person was uh, unteachable. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> let's
1: let's do a success story rather than an unteachable story. <laughs> um, an attorney <clears throat> met through a guy in Florida. The attorney said to me, "What's the ROI?" On and for those of you who are not familiar with that, return on investment. People for working good. with you
0: all the time.
1: Okay, you get that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. how are you going to make this happen for me? Well, wait a minute. I make no promises. So I use the metaphor, I'm your tennis coach. You probably heard this before somewhere. I'm your tennis coach. You can hit the ball. You can serve the ball. You can probably volley a bit. I'm going to teach you the fine points. All right. Any idiot can fill in material on LinkedIn. And what do people do? They copy paste their resume because it's easy. That's not what we're doing here. That doesn't make people fall in like with you enough to call you so that they'll hire you and fall in love with you. Sure. That's the job. That's the deal. So, I work with people to refine their really rough stuff. Some are rougher than others. Lawyers, God love you, lawyers, they know everything. Didn't teach it in law school. It's not necessary. And you're laughing. And it's true. It's true. I've taught at law firms for decades. And I met tough, tough lawyers. And I met pussycats. And it, it's amazing the difference between the matrimonial attorneys and the litigators and the cannabis attorneys and the corporate practitioner corporate uh corporate attorneys it's it's incredible so i don't go in with all my guns loaded i listen i evaluate i approach the person in a way that they'll want to do look no one wants to do this i get it this is bad medicine tastes terrible. Especially when I started asking those questions. Why do you do what you do? Lawyers go, I don't want to talk about that stuff. You're taking from my
0: billable hours. Get me out of here. I get that. I think it's more, you know, as lawyers and it's not just to lawyers, you know, uh, we're not interested in self-promoting. It's like, you know, this social media, is it? taboo, I'm not used to this, the business side, you know, I'm uh, I'm focused on getting my case ready for trial, right. or doing the brief, and it's getting people out of the comfort zone, which is, you know, how do you lawyer or otherwise or somebody who just hasn't been in the workforce or needs to, you know, needs to pivot what they knew, how to do and to change it for whatever reason, how do you get them out of their comfort zone?
1: Good, great question. And that is, I have to tell them that the process of hiring right now is different than it was a year ago, two years ago. It's changed completely, turned inside out, all right? If you do not look amazing on LinkedIn, you're dead. Nobody's interested. Your resume doesn't get read by human beings anymore. It gets scanned by bots when you submit it. So you have to have a fallback to something that a human is going to want to read. Because after the resume has been scanned, and if your resume meets the number of criteria, code words, search words that they're looking for, says the things they want to know, you go to a short list. That list gets shorter and shorter and shorter until you get that invitation in to to interview or by Zoom. Yeah,
0: that's crazy.
1: Yeah, so the world has changed completely. So where do you get to tell your story short of actually speaking on the phone or on a Zoom interview? It's your LinkedIn profile. You get one chance to make a nine-second impression. That's it. So you got to hit them with everything you got. Sure. And a lot of people, lawyers and accountants and architects and people, especially the professional practices, say, I just need to be expert in my field. I don't need to market myself. I'm never leaving this firm. I own this firm or I think I know everything about getting new business. Well, let's talk about the people like me that are out there that might need a lawyer or an accountant or an architect. And some, I call my friends and I say or my network and I put it out there. Hey, I'm looking for somebody who's adept at this. Can you give me some referrals? Where do I go to evaluate those referrals? LinkedIn. You don't. if you don't tell me why you do what you do. I don't go to you to find out because I don't have the time to beg you to tell me why you. Sure. And if you can't say it really well, I'm going to find somebody else who can. So I'm constantly telling people, you're always marketing yourself. Always. Every moment of what you do on the phone with a client or prospective client or whatever you're doing, no matter what you do in your field, you're always being evaluated but you don't get to be evaluated unless you make them want to evaluate you and fall in like with you enough to contact you. So you open your mouth, but here's the rub what you say on LinkedIn should be the same language that you use when you speak to somebody on the phone or on zoom.
0: That's amazing.
1: Or there's a huge disconnect and the human on the other end from you is going, oh, that's not the person I read about. That, that, that's Wait a minute, did I call the wrong number? I mean, what's going on here? And then they start to close down. That's like having a giant, a nice white shirt with a giant spaghetti sauce stain right in the middle of your shirt. All they're doing is focusing on what's wrong with this picture. Not listening to how can this person be the right person for me? So it's about writing your LinkedIn profile in the language you use as you speak. So if you read my profile, if you read my books, my book has been called Colloquial because I am rather easy with my language. I like to make it an interesting read.
0: What's the name of, the, of, of your books for the audience?
1: Well, I have two books. LinkedIn Marketing Techniques for Law and Professional Practices, American Bar Association in second edition right now. And You, Us, Them. This is a book written just for the nonprofit community. It's the only book on the market about LinkedIn for the nonprofit community. The premise behind the title is you have to be amazing on LinkedIn. Us, everybody around you in the organization has to be amazing on LinkedIn. And everybody outside evaluating your organization, whether they want to give you time or money or effort, they have to fall in love with what you're doing as a a whole. Any weak link in the chain ruins the concept. Well, that works in every corporation too. I mean, I'm not saying anything to nonprofits that are different than any firm or any company or any small business. Everybody's got to toe the line, and if you don't, there's a disconnect, and you don't want disconnects.
0: Yeah, people and stop listening. I want to be I want to be just clear there because we were you know we were talking about individuals rebranding, like in the context of the divorce. You work with. Uh, Corporations and entities that have uh, multiple employees uh, yeah. that you're uh, that you're able to help. Um, large firms,
1: large professional firms. I've worked for General Electric Corporation, their entire real estate division. When there was a real estate division at General Electric, they brought me in to do a three-continent series of LinkedIn lectures. Wow. So I can deal with big, 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 big to Solo practitioners like myself Mm -hmm. and people who are between jobs, people who are baby boomers like me, who want to retire, but don't know what they want to do with the rest of their lives. Like my friend who retired to Florida to go play golf and after two weeks of golf said, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. I need to go back to work. How do we make my LinkedIn profile tell what I can offer a company or an organization? And we rewrote his history. So everybody has a story that dying to tell. My job is to make you tell it beautifully. I love it. I love what I do. It's so much fun to see their face at the end of the fourth session when I guarantee that we'll be done by four sessions. I'll never finish in four sessions. I'm probably going to be with you for the rest of my life. Well, damn it. You're going to be done with me in four sessions and you're going to love it. And it's going to, I wish I could do a before and after for profiles that I've written because, you know, on LinkedIn, when you change something on LinkedIn, it overlays the existing profile. So there's no before and after. It's not like renovating a house, but it is renovating your profile. Sure. Some of them need to be torn down to the studs
0: because they're just so bad. And some of them just need a coat of paint and everything and so, and then I'm assuming that at, I get it after the fourth session, it's done. But if, let's say, you know, because of all the help you've provided, they end up getting an interview. I'm, I'm guessing you're able to um, to give them pep talks for the interview, so to speak.
1: Constantly. They're all, like I said before, they're always my client, especially when you're interviewing. If you're looking for a job, I hope that the interviewer has read your LinkedIn profile. See, remember in the old days, I'm using my hands here and try to do this in in the camera that that makes sense here. In the old days, there's here's a job, this is what you want. Here's you down here. You have to earn up to be offered the job. Not so anymore. Now it's an even playing field. When you are interviewing with the interviewer who's already read your LinkedIn profile, you can have a much deeper, more meaningful intelligent conversation in 15 minutes than the old days went, tell me what, you, tell me why you do what you do. Tell me about yourself. Right. Great- None of the horrible trick questions. So the idea is what you say in the interview, if it's a job or what you say, as you're selling yourself, if you're marketing your business has to match exactly what your LinkedIn profile says, but give them more, give them stories verbally that re- resonate with the Things you've said on your profile. Use video on your profile really? if you can't interview with them. Use podcasts. Use blogs.
0: Use whatever it is that's out there. And you know, you were talking about how things have changed in such a short period of time, and I believe people look at LinkedIn, and LinkedIn looks more and more like other social media, uh, you know, platforms like Facebook and Instagram, and I think a lot of that has to do with covid i think people are you know whether they like it or not they are having to adapt because people around them are utilizing it uh, is, is that is that an accurate assessment
1: absolutely it's the common vernacular of what we do in life it's just that linkedin is the common currency as i'd like to say rather than the vernacular it's the common currency of business globally there is no other platform that is strictly aligned to doing business. And if that's what you're in, and we all are business people one way or another, that's what puts food on the table, right? Unless we were born wealthy and I was not. I work for my money. I work hard for what I do. And then people can reward you by giving you an endorsement for a skill that they've seen you actually perform on LinkedIn. Or they can write you a recommendation. I worked at a law firm for a year. I got a recommendation just this week about the work I did there. And it's a wonderful recommendation. I'm really pleased with it, but I put a year's worth of blood, sweat and tears into this firm and I think I earned it. So there's a pride. You should be proud of what you've got. Don't let anybody take it away, a divorce or a bad job or a bad boss or anybody else. Find the things you accomplish that you took with you to the next better position and talk about those things. Again, it's the stack ranking of the things you did in your past that makes you who you are today.
0: I love it. Um, and that is so, so relevant on the topic of, you know, in the context of divorce. Um, so I'm just going to turn this on its head a little bit. Okay, And I, I taught, I told you when we, we spoke, Um, a few days ago uh, about the podcast, how I have, you know, and other matrimonial lawyers will, will share the same story, how they have used social media and here LinkedIn as a tool during litigation. For example, if, you know, somebody for some reason now during the divorce is downplaying their abilities, yet has this Completely glowing LinkedIn profile about all the accomplishments they've done, and so you know we've spent the last you know forty five minutes or so talking about um, you know creating this uh, amazing profile for uh, for an individual out there to accurately reflect, and I think that's really the key. Not exaggerating. Not posting, and you have said this uh, several times during this podcast, not posting something that somebody you're not. Yeah. And you just, you know, maybe elaborate to that, you know, not only avoiding this in the context of a divorce, but I think, you know, how are you going to get a job if you're posting on your po- profile something that you just or not someone's go the jig is going to be up eventually when they figure out you can't do something.
1: Well well first of all never prevaricate, never lie on LinkedIn. You will be outed. <laughs> all right? Too many people can come across and read your profile. Never exaggerate something that's not correct. It will just come and bite you in the butt. So be very careful. When you say something, you have to say it ethically. Now Lawyers have a whole different realm of ethics requirements because the bar associations have put that on lawyers. But finance people have the compliance issues. And even a consultant like me always will tell the truth. I will never change what did not happen because I can't sleep at night and be confident that it's, going to come across properly unless i've said it in my own words in my own way from my own lens based upon what i know now admittedly recommendations are glowing they have to be that's why you put them up there so people will say oh well you did a good job but it's who recommended you and the language they choose to use to recommend you and relate an anecdote or a story or a situation that gives the push, that gives the credit for what you do. So, Arthur, if I were to recommend you on LinkedIn and someone saw my recommendation and knew me, then they could easily call me or text me and say, hey, Mark, I read your recommendation of Arthur on LinkedIn tell me more. Sure. And people do this all the time. So you need the proper number of recommendations to reflect the reality of what you say to reinforce the reality. So what I like to say is I can say why I do what I do. And I try to say it very well, but anybody who recommends me says, Hey, that guy, Mark, that why he says he does what he does. Let me tell you how really well he
0: does that right
1: and if you want to call me or text me have at it because i'm putting my name on this my reputation on this sure and that's why you have to pick and choose your recommenders and you have to pick and choose the recommendations so you don't just accept the recommendation somebody sends you because it might be mediocre and that's another thing i look at with all my clients mm-hmm. what is this horrible recommendation Bob does a really good job. I like Bob. We hired Bob for this. Bob did a good job. We'll hire him again. Well, good. that's that's nothing.
0: Right.
1: Tell me a story. And stories are memorable. And so I'll remember the story of Bob coming in under budget on time for a project that everybody said was ridiculous and no one could possibly do. And Bob's boss said, Bob did a hell of a good job. So those are the things that come out in the interview. Those are the things that are stories to tell to reinforce. Another trick I use, not trick, it's actually a a very good thing I do. I let other people talk about me in my profile instead of me talking about me in my profile.
0: Smart.
1: I use quotes from people who contact me after presentations and say, hey, Mark, I want to let you know this. Quote, unquote, boom, goes right in the LinkedIn profile. Because I can't say it as well.
0: Sure. And you go through all of this during uh, your coaching process. It's an action
1: pack four times, 90 minutes. Okay. I go, I, I get revved up. Everybody gets revved up with me. They have to want to do it. The best part is
0: the energy is contagious. Fantastic. Well, listen, um, I have one last question. What's that? Before, before I get there, I just have to say, if anybody out there that's listening, um, uh, and they have a LinkedIn profile. They've got to, you have to reach out to uh, Mark Halpert. He is the master. Um, and Mark, I thank you so much for being here. Um, I am a big sneaker person. And so my question to you, favorite pair of sneakers.
1: I've got a favorite pair of sneakers that I exercise in every morning at seven in the morning. If The soles are worn out, but I'm doing my exercises on my carpet in my office. So I don't care. They're, they're Adidas. They're probably seven years old at this point, but they wear like a glove and I love them. So comfort is everything.
0: That's really (laughs) great. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm going to, you're going to have to come back, uh, sometime soon because there's just so much to talk about. Thank you. Well, great. Thank you so much, Arthur. Really appreciate it. All right. Awesome.